Hello. Hello, hello. Anyways. So where do you guys want to start off with? Should we just start off with like what we what we think gender is? You you feel free to lead it however you want to. Yeah, Judith Butler, okay. um, the, the famous scholar um, who does the book Gender Trouble. Gender. She argues that gender is performative and that gender is a set of expectations that society defines you for. Do you agree with that? Yeah, well, I, uh, her you know, theory is pretty well known and, like, it's fairly robust. Like, you know, she's saying... Um, you know, that socially we consider um, ourselves to be like uh, a male or a female by the way that people treat us. So, you know, get being given um, pink baby clothes when you're born, like, you know, when you're growing up and you're playing with um, uh, another baby, someone will be like, oh, they look cute together or, or like and say like, oh, she's such a princess or he's such a, um, a ladies man. It's like, you know, kind of assigning these gendered roles to people. So I think that's definitely a part of it. But there are also, I think, other um, other ways of considering gender that aren't Western colonial kind of practices of the gender binary that we're used to. I think also, although I agree with her, most of the time I feel like Butler is a little bit outdated because mm. you know we are being raised more and more now in which the situation isn't as clearly defined as male and female and those gender roles are dissolving and yet there are still people who feel a great affinity to their gender so we can't say that their gender is strictly a result of those gender roles because like personally I was raised with you know trains and running around in the mud mm-hmm. and although you know we're debating in my brain whether I'm non-binary or whether I'm a girl and that's an ongoing problem I still feel more on that feminine side even though I was raised with those masculine traits so mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's just about society I feel like there's something more to it than just how we're treated yeah there's like there's like um I don't know I think it's different for everyone but there is something kind of innate about gender and that comes forward in in the social kind of sphere like the the way that you're treated throughout your life also the way that you're taught that you should or shouldn't act you know through examples of like media um texts or um you know observing how other people might be accepted or not accepted for adhering to uh, gender binary um, characteristics. But like, yeah, there is that kind of like almost inexplicable kind of, you know, what is gender? Am I gender? Are you gender? Maybe gender is friends we made along the way. (laughs) So, So you kind of argue that gender isn't natural. It isn't a natural thing being masculine or feminine. It's I, not inherited, is it? So feel, it's not really. I feel like there is an innate part of gender, but I don't feel like that's gender in itself. Mm. So I feel mm. like, yes, to an extent, you are born with gender um, and an experience of gender, but is it as simple as just saying that it's society? Yeah. No. Is it as simple as saying it's biology? No. Mm. 
I don't know. I feel like it's a really tricky and it's so unobservable. Like I'm a psychologist, so I like I like the observable. I like being able to directly see this thing causes this thing. But gender directional in the way that we think about like society and biology that it's impossible to separate and there is no way that we could ever explore it entirely because it is so bi-directional you know we mm-hmm. can't raise a baby in a bubble it, it would yeah, be true so do you think like gender like say like boy and girl they're kind of like um what's the word um changing with the times because now we're getting like non-binary and like queer and things like that i mean when you say changing like i think there's more options it isn't just that simple Mm -hmm. like butler says boy or girl anymore yeah i think you know people are gaining a greater understanding um, of you know that there are people who live outside the gender binary and like what a realistic version of their lives and their identities are, although there is still you know a great deal of misunderstanding and outright you know like transphobia and things like that. But you know it's important. I think it's really important to acknowledge the fact that um, you know that people have been uh, gender non-conforming for a long time, very long time. You know since someone made gender up. I believe, you know, yeah, like 50 I, years ago, 100 years ago, you still had people who, you know, uh, women who lived lives as men, well, you know, trans men who were born as women, but, you know, people didn't know um, until they died. Um, or you have, you know... Do you think it's more acceptive? That's what I was kind mm-hmm. of going for. Like, people starting to realise and it's starting to become a little bit more spoken about spoken about yes accepted i i you know the optimist in me wants to say yes because i'm lucky enough to be surrounded by a bubble of people and community that is accepting but um especially in brighton but i think on the whole no we're not there yet no but i i think it's a good thing that people are speaking about it on social media though I feel like it's going in the right way. Like, you can't change people's opinions on it, but we can speak and we will get heard. Yeah, I think it's kind of all, like, younger generations. Because if I think about, you know, myself at 15, I think 15-ish was the first time I'd sort of began to think of myself as genderqueer at the time until I eventually um, identified as non-binary. Um but, you know, I, that wasn't something that I was really wet, ready and willing to speak to my friends about or to be open about, or let alone, you know, ask adults to refer to me with different pronouns or a different name. Um, but, you know, and now, like, I'm, that, you know, me being 15 was 10 years ago nearly. Let's not think about that. But 15-year-olds um, <laughs> need it these days. I think they have... Um, I don't know that they're more confident about speaking about those kind of things because those um, people have, you know, those labels exist. I think they help in that way. I do think that the change in language has really helped. Like now having so many more terms to describe so many more things is really 
helpful. It can be a hindrance at times in terms of like micro labeling can cause identity issues. And there are there are issues with it. But I think having the language allows people to express what they they want and they need like the ability mm. to turn around and say that actually historically they them pronouns um yeah have been used for a singular the longest time so we're absolutely going to use them and having that resource there and having the language there to explain that mm. is really beneficial um so i do think that like we are hopefully moving towards more acceptance um but also you know we're sitting here in england and we're all white we have no real experience of any other culture and there are more gender diversities within a variety of other cultures and societies that Mm. we cannot talk about historically from personal experience so Mm. i think that's that going off of like like language and things i think that's really um again yeah like you said like really helpful but i think that's what i love about um you know the sort of the wider awareness within queer communities and within wider communities um you know because language is fucking made up and like they're all just words that someone thought of and you know none of it it's not right it's not wrong and that's exact same thing with you know just having and gender like you can't do it wrong there's nothing wrong with saying you know today i'm a man and tomorrow i'm a woman because you know it's gender yeah like who's gonna tell me i'm doing something wrong i'm just chilling just straight vibing <laughs> like <laughs> yeah that's true um going back to butler um basically she concludes that if we refuse to act on stereotypical manners we are taught since birth then gender will cease to exist i kind of disagree with that what do you guys think i about? disagree that's a, yeah that's a really I th- that's really black and white that statement yeah and it's really like you know it, it's technicolor it's like there's so many gradients <laughs> within the gender spectrum um i think you know it's like if you're railing against something you're acknowledging acknowledging the power that it has so you know you're just sort of switching around the power dynamic instead of abolishing it completely Hmm. I think also, like, it's not possible to say that gender doesn't exist because you look at those of trans experience and they are the best example that gender does exist because Mm. they are affirmed in their gender. So to say that, like, oh, if we go against what they were raised, trans people often do go against the, the societal pressures that they were raised and they are not genderless. They have a gender. Yeah. So I don't. I, yeah, I don't agree with Judith. <laughs> Judith Butler there. No, I agree with her with like the cultural element of gender, but yeah. the end bit about stereo- like it being gone, it ceased to exist. It's always going to be there. I think it's yeah. just whether it has power over our daily lives that makes the difference. So like, gender can exist, and like that's fine. All right, vibe with your gender. It's not okay when it influences how I live my life. Exactly. You know, the gender pay gap, you know, all of that sort of thing. That's not all right. 
gender's not okay there. Can we get rid of that gender? The rest of it can stay. Yeah, the happy, nice gender. Yes. <laughs> right, do you guys feel that, like, drag um, always has to be, like, gender represented or can it just be fun? Like, can someone just do drag for fun or does it have to be a statement within gender? Well, gender can be fun, I think. <laughs> You know, I don't having, think that drag is just gender, though. Like Sophie said last time, mm. Sophie said that it was queer performance, and I feel like that's a better explanation because it's it's not just performing gender; it's performing an experience, and an experience is more than gender. So I don't think that drag has to be a statement on gender. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think that yeah, like the the sort of the spectre, if to, to invoke myself, the spectre of gender sort of hangs over drag. I think a lot of people who um watch it for the first time probably have that hanging over them as well. They're kind of caught up in the fact that this is the the spectacle the spectacle is supposed to be that this person is not the gender they're appearing as. Um but, you know, that's a quite a narrow-minded uh, view of drag. And I think one of the, the beauty of drag is that, you know, you don't... Those things cease to matter, and all you have is the the art that's being created before you. Yeah. Mm. So what use is gender to drag artists, do you think? I think it's a really great, like, bouncing board. Um, mm. I feel like it creates a way to connect with an audience because they can see the stereotypes they can see and relate to those things um but it then allows the drag artist to develop further than gender because mm. i don't ever watch a performance and think aha yes they are being a woman or they are being a man <laughs> i think about like the way that they are telling the story from the perspective of this character yeah. yeah like my dad watched drag race the other day and he was like why is that man dressing up as a woman so this is where it kind of goes a bit weird like age-wise maybe mm. uh, yeah i think there's a sort of i think culturally and generationally there's um you know there's people who have been taught to to keep those things in the closet like to not speak about it and to not acknowledge it and i think they're kind of outward like celebration of you know queerness and gender nonconformity is something absolutely alien <laughs> so i think you know those those kind of people um i think their minds can be changed but i think they're you know they're still sort of working off of that that rule book mm. but does drag need to culturally be established in gender roles to work no no, I, I think, think so. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think you know the it's a caricature often, which what makes it work. You know, if um, if someone has a drag queen has like giant bazonga hongas, <laughs> like big fat mummy milkers, like <laughs> you know, that's a caricature. That's amazing. I love that. You know, if a, a king like had a moustache that reached from like his shoulders to his face, like that's a character, and that's like that's the kind of fun things that people do with drag, which I love. But 
but at the same time that same drag artist could have they may have huge titties but they also may have a beard or yeah, you have a moustache and a dress all of them all of the above and it's still valid drag and it is still like it's not necessarily just set in one specific set of gender stereotypes it's blurring the lines between the stereotypes that makes the drag fun mm. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of just, it's about eschewing those boundaries and, like, you know, throwing caution to the wind, um, which is the most, you know, that's the kind of most fun and creative drag that I like. You know, you can still, um, you know, no no shade to anyone who, you know, likes to do high femme um dragon you know kind of really ham that up that element up but i i i love the kind of gender bending like fuck you y'all have i'll have it all <laughs> kind of drag. the pure non-binary drag experience yeah distilled gender yeah <laughs> do you think drag can change the way people consider gender i hope so that's my dream I mean, I think it's made the way that I consider my gender change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's partially why I'm having a gender crisis. Um, <laughs> it's an ongoing theme in my life. Um, but, like, I never questioned my gender before I did drag. And then I did drag, and I was like, but I was performing womanly. But am I a woman, or was that just a character? Have I just been doing a character? So it kind of made <laughs> my me life just been my- one big- Oh, that's really interesting, that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Have you just been yeah. performing being um, a woman? But then thinking, are yeah. you a woman? Oh, God, you, it's going philosophical then now. Then you go back to but- Butler because gender is performative. <laughs> <laughs> what a nice um, thing we've done there. Um, drag definitely... Uh, not not only just like watching or being a fan or you know visiting queer spaces and venues, like just being in that community where it's safe to um, to explore gender and what it is and what it isn't, what you want to be, what you you know how you see yourself. That it's kind of safe to experiment, and I think that's definitely um, you know for me and probably others um is something that makes me consider my own gender differently yeah you know it's like a breathing room Mm. yeah so do you think drag has influenced your understanding slash performance of gender in everyday in an everyday way or I, I think this is kind of what I was saying about like it's influenced my own gender because I don't I feel like before I started playing around with drag I was very set in like re- well relatively set in wearing women's clothes not men's clothes wearing makeup wearing my hair in a certain way and then I decided mm-hmm. to chop all my hair off and wear masculine clothes Mm. And I was like, okay, yeah, but this is cool. I like doing these things. But I also really enjoy wearing a really flouncy dress and having my hair really long. So it, it allowed me to play around with those aspects. And it allowed me to question those aspects that, like, is this truly femininity and masculinity? Or is this just essentially artistic preference on gender? Because if gender doesn't exist, 
then me wearing a button-up shirt and a bright red lipstick, it's a vibe. It's a look. It's not mm. explicitly being one gender or another. Yeah, gender is not just aesthetics. So, like, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Like, yeah. if you just kind of um, forget, you know, what section of the shop bits of clothes came from like you know you can, it doesn't matter what your gender is it doesn't matter what the gender your clothes are it's you know it's something else yeah and, at least for me it's helped me break down like that very strict binary mm. in my head of like one thing is one thing and the other is the other and that's it mm. yeah mm. i feel i get what you mean drag for me is kind of I don't know how how it's kind of affected like my gender. I know that like performing kind of makes me more aware of the way that I move, if that makes sense, because Spectre kind of has their own way of moving around a space and a stage. Um, and, you know, I, I might switch that up depending on a performance or a song. But it kind of does make me like kind of hyper aware of the way that I move through spaces like you know how I might carry my body physically depending on what like clothes I'm wearing like whether I'm wearing something that looks um, you know it looks yeah, it's a whole like figure tight and you know you can see my delicious ass um or if I'm wearing like uh you know something baggy and um, you know, doesn't really show much of my body, and you can't really tell. You know, I'm unclockable um, on the delicious ass side, but you know, I kind of like still both ways. I'm holding myself in a way that's not like I don't know, like a bloke, like with my legs, legs or bow legged. I don't really know. What I'm trying to get at here, but like, it's your own representation. Yeah. If that made sense, yeah. it's not. <laughs> Male or female, it's just you. Like, you know what I mean? I think, like, drag gives you that confidence to to push the boundaries in your mind and that kind of of overflows into the rest of your life, into the little things that you don't even realise. I don't give a fuck Mm. if, like, I'm what I look like or how other people might perceive my gender that day. Like, you know, the spring in my step's still the same. We stand that though. We kind of do. Oh, I stand it. We stand. We all stand it. We all should we stand it. <laughs> do you think there is a link between drag and people with trans experience? This could go juicy, I yes. think. <laughs> Let's bring the juice. Yes. Yeah. I mean, right. So, this might be like where things start getting controversial because, of course, you can be trans and not be doing drag because transness is not drag yes that needs to be clarified however within the drag community there are a lot of trans folks doing drag yeah and they have very interlinked history so separating them it isn't possible and they do have some some linked experience like when you look at bull bull culture that mm-hmm. at the time was often referred to they were trap the terminology say that they were trans women so yeah. the language has shifted and this is what I was saying about earlier about like the language is important um, 
the change in language changes how we perceive it. So mm. drag and transness do inherently overlap, but they are not one in the same. Yeah, the, that's they've got like a really rich, interconnected, like interwoven history in terms of like how people, you know, uh, understand those terms and how they interpret those terms, like and how those terms have changed and grown. Um, you know how they're socially accepted. Yeah, so, you know, they're not they're not one and the same, but they are very like very interwoven. I think you know, trans performers, um, they, they, I mean, I would consider myself a trans performer, and you know, I know that the way that I perceive my own gender directly informs the way that I want people to perceive Spectre. Um, I think that's probably a similar kind of line of thinking for um, trans performers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. Let's go. Let's go on to Catherine's Catherine Stock. I was about to bring her up. <laughs> yeah, go on, go for it. it. Um, <laughs> you're about to get very controversial. Um, she is go a for it. gender critical. Um, well, I, I put gender critical in um, quotation marks. Obviously, yes. you can't see me, but that's what I'm doing uh, because that's also not a good term. That's just code word for I'm a TERF. And for people that don't know what a TERF is, it's a trans exclusionary radical feminist. And they are people that like to claim they are feminists and protecting womanhood, but really they're just assholes. Yes. <laughs> um, so she likes to claim that um, trans women aren't really women and trans men are actually just suppressed lesbians and that sort of vibe of a nasty person. And mm. um, she works in philosophy, so she claims that her her thoughts are just, you know, gender philosophy. And are they really? Mm-hmm. No. Is she? Does she go to Sussex yeah, Uni then? Sussex Uni. Oh, interesting. This is a point of contention, the one that she gets a lot of... um, I I don't know, I think she sort of... uh, relies on a lot, you know, to kind of... as evidence that she's onto something big because, you know, it's kind of... it's not really philosophy. It's, you know, she's... is it, it... you know, is it worthwhile doing if you're really just advocating for the destruction of rights of a minority that's vulnerable? But, um, you know, instead of kind of taking that criticism head on, she kind of turns it, twists it into it being a conspiracy against her and free speech. And it's not. It's saying, like, you know, you could... you. Are well within your right to believe that um, trans people are ped- like pedophiles and perverts or whatever, but once that belief, without any actual evidence to on that unfounded claim, starts to impinge on the real lived realities of these people, that's where a problem starts, and that's that's my problem with her. Beliefs and values are not the same thing. She has both beliefs and values that are actively against a minority who are suffering. And her values means that she is acting on those beliefs. Um, We've got into trouble with her before. She's not a big fan of us at Dragstar. 
I wonder why. It's such a surprise. And um, a couple of years back, she wrote an article. It wasn't a particularly long article, but she wrote an article in which she had done these huge mental gymnastic leaps in which she claimed that drag was just the gender version of blackface. How how can she say that though? She did like you know, <laughs> you know I mean? she says mockery of women. But she's she also claimed mocking women. That she's claimed that um <laughs> saying things against uh trans people that are uh transphobic such as trans women are men is not the same as racism. I, you know, it's kind of like she's contradicting herself. She's yeah. literally gone on the record saying that that you know that um, that uh, in the mouths of many people that um, you know those kind of statements, to paraphrase, are intended to convey and be heard as simple descriptions of observable facts. But that's that's not um, that's not true. No. That's not observable facts. That's observable. Um, values that you know that have not based in evidence and call you know the fact that she's saying that racism is um not that you know is hate speech but transphobia isn't hate speech based on that fact is just i don't know it's just baffling bamboozling i also feel like it's slightly rich of her to be you know claiming observable facts here in which she is not doing scientific research to find these observable as observable facts yes you know from a psychological perspective there are a bunch of steps that we have to go through to even claim to be able to see that we can see something it might have been found we can never claim fact we can yeah. never claim fact. So for her to be sitting in philosophy, and this is not a shame on philosophy at all. It's a neat area of research, but you cannot claim fact in philosophy. She's a hypocrite yeah, and a transphobe. I'm not going to lie. I tried to read what um, Jess sent me yesterday. I got halfway through. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't function. Yeah. What? I couldn't. I couldn't bear what she writes. It like the read, article like, by all of it. I just Krista couldn't. Peterson. Uh, on Prail, right? The the one that's about um, her getting the OBE. Yup, she's got an OBE. Yeah. No, are you joking? Sorry, don't don't forget, she's um cancelled and depressed, but she does also have an OBE. <laughs> and still has her very well paid job. Why? Why does she have an she OBE? Has a very well paid job at Sussex as well, so she's clearly not that oppressed. <laughs> The OBE was for re- in recognition of her contribution to academia and media in defence of free speech. Uh, are you, are you, no, are you joking? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, you can't be shit with me. No, we are not. I, I don't believe you. I, I can't. But I, can't, I don't really, believe really you. Really recently, like within the last yeah. She's five months, no. I would say. Yeah. No, you're you're joking me. Like bag of chips, OBE. You're joking. <laughs> no. I just I don't know. It's kind of oh. it's all it's almost laughable if it wasn't for the fact that she's somehow like a respected um expert on this topic of gender critical feminism <laughs> like when she's like thinks that she's oppressed and like silenced and cancelled and at the same time recognized by the one of the most powerful institutions in this com- 
country. Like, well, I mean, I just... J.K. Rowling. Okay. Oh yeah, that's another oh. one. Not good. Not good. Not good. J.K. Rowling. The thing is, I love I loved Harry Potter. Now I just oh, can't stand I was it. I because she writes, she creates. It's not a very well written world from like an analytical perspective, but it's a children's book. We could have forgiven her for the fact that it is poorly written and somewhat plagiarized. We we could have forgiven her until she was a transphobe and a racist, and then she ruined it all for herself. Like. I was devastated. I was a, a pure Hufflepuff. And now I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, she could have just kept her bag and kept quiet and, I don't know, stayed in her lane, but um, she didn't. She didn't. I'm kind of glad that she outed herself as like a not very nice. Oh, I mean, it could be a nice. But I don't think she realised not. You know, she's. Not one for uh, equality and people's basic human rights, I guess. I don't think she realised she added herself, though. No. <laughs> I've now this gone is the problem. back, because I already had all of the Harry Potter books, so I'm not contributing to her. But I've now gone back and reread them all uh, really recently from like an, a critical view. And I have a couple of comments, especially on the way that she, she writes gender. Um, mm hmm because firstly, just talking about like, right, the Gryffindor common rooms, the girls are allowed into the boys' bedrooms, but the boys cannot go into the girls, otherwise the, the stairs turn into slides. Okay. <laughs> right? What? Now, you cannot tell me that this isn't somewhat linked to her view that men are predatory and therefore, because she believes that trans women are men, trans women are also predatory and they would not be able to ex get up those stairs. You can't tell me that I'm making like huge gymnastic leaps there. That's, no. that's really just, just bizarre. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I haven't really. I haven't really read the books. I'm really sorry, everyone, but I've never read the books. Um, also, I've read a little bit of. I've let a little bit of the first one, um, but that just doesn't really. I don't. Why would you put that in? Like, yeah. I just don't get it. Hermione what makes one mean? comment on it at one point in which she goes, "Yeah, it's a bit old-fashioned," and that was it. That was the only comment that was essentially made on it. Also. All of the oh girls God. written in the story, not that there are a lot that are like full-fleshed characters, um, any that are emotional and have emotions are deemed silly and not worthy of Harry's attention. However, the girls that like are attempting to break these very like weirdly perceived gender stereotypes like Hermione and Ginny, who are like more boyish and smart, um, they're cool. We like them. But Cho Chang, because she cries because her boyfriend was murdered? No, no. She's weak and weird and we don't like her. Yeah. I love Robert Pattinson. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, I don't think I've read all the books. I think I read up to like the Chamber of Secrets and I just... The ADHD and me couldn't. I mean, you got you it. pretty well. It's my area of like hyper focus. So I think that's why I'm so mad about it. <laughs> I was more of a Twilight girl. Ah, so I see. Um, Rob Patterson isn't continuing in this theme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just in love with Robert Patterson. Robert Patterson, <laughs> if you hear this, I love you. Free on Tuesday, um, uh, next week. 
Which is when I'll be free if you want to hang out on Tuesday next week when I'm free. Cedric Diggory. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. But yeah, like, I don't know. It's just, it goes to show really um, how the nature, the kind of insidious nature of um, transphobia and turfs in this country. Um, and it's kind of something that really troubles troubles me a lot. Um, I think it's something that is kind of ever present in the backgrounds of the community. Um, you know, people are kind of really struggling to get by, to cope with the fact that they either have to, you know, if they want to transition, that they either have to wait maybe the best part of 10 years to get seen or, you know, raise money out of nowhere to get treatment and services you know and you have people like this in the background just trying to take that all away and take away crumbs yeah 